Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Girl on Fire podcast on the Believe Network, New York's number one podcast network for personal growth. This is your host, Kirsten Franklin. Hey guys, on this week's episode, we have with us Sarah Seeger, who's an astrophysicist and professor of physics and planetary science at MIT. She's known for her pioneering research on exoplanets and their atmosphere. For her research, she was awarded the MacArthur Genius Grant and has an asteroid, asteroid 9729, named in her honor. Please welcome Sarah Seeger. Hey, Sarah. Hi. Hello. So, Sarah, why don't you start by giving the audience, the listeners, a little bit about your background so they know who it is that they're, they're listening to here. Sure. Well, right now I work at MIT, where I'm a professor of planetary science and physics. Actually, I call myself an astrophysicist. And I do have a a great job. Sometimes I like to describe my job as the search for aliens, not little green humanoids, though, not looking for little green humanoids or UFOs, but we're searching for planets around other stars. And we're eventually trying to search for signs of life on these planets. That's awesome. That's amazing. Tell us a little about that, because, you know, obviously in, in the introduction, I talked about exoplanets. Why don't you explain to everybody what that is? And, you know, a little bit about why it's so important to you. Well, I have this image of stars in the background. I'm not actually outside (laughs) with the night sky. But I always put it here because I love to remind us that every star is the sun. And if our sun has planets, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, etc., it makes total sense, right, that the other stars have planets too. And they do. And in the last 25 years or so, we astronomers have found thousands of planets. We literally think that every star has a planetary system. So that's what exoplanets are. Exoplanets are planets orbiting stars other than the sun. And they're very hard to find because stars are so big and bright and massive and planets are so tiny and small in comparison. So that's, that's where we're at. So let me ask you this. So understanding that obviously light travels and that we get to see it through our little telescopes and everything, maybe not so little, you know, how do you, how do you even get to see these things out there in space so far away? And how do you know that they still exist by the time that you're, that you're looking at them, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, it's really crazy. I mean, most of the times we don't see the planet at all. We just see the effect the planet has on the star. And the most popular, the most common way we find planets today, it's, it's amazing, actually. We literally look at tens of thousands of stars or sometimes millions of stars at a single time. And I recently stepped down from a leadership role on an MIT-led NASA mission called TESS, like the girl's name TESS. And TESS is a satellite that orbits Earth, and it monitors lots of stars at one time. And we look, we we use our computers to look for a planet that might be passing like in front of the star as seen from the telescope. Just by chance, the planet and star system are aligned, so the planet's orbiting and it goes in front of the star. But we don't see that. We just see the starlight drop in brightness by the tiniest amount as the planet goes in front of the star. And we see that repeat every time the planet orbits, actually. 
And we call this transit. And they're pretty rare, actually, because imagine if a planet's orbiting like in the plane of the sky. Right. You, know, you won't see it transit. And so the goal is to up the numbers and look at lots of them. And we have this method down to literally a formula. Like, um, yeah, we have this, people have worked on this method for like a long time, like over two decades. And the whole community has this nailed. And the test mission finds like, we find like a hundred new planet candidates every month. So there's lots of planets out there and we, we know how to find them. But the craziest thing is, is that we almost never find solar system copies. Our solar system ends up being rare, actually. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. So now, how did, how did you even get into this? Because, I mean, you're kind of like the queen of exoplanets and their atmosphere. You know, you basically created this whole freaking area of, of study, of learning. And so how did you even... How did you even get interested and, and how did you push your way through? Because, I mean, this is a really rare field, not only just to be in, but to be a woman in. Well, there's a lot of threads, but one of them is I always loved the night sky. I was so lucky as a child when I was about 10 years old, my family went camping literally for the first and last time. But it was enough. I was lucky. It was a clear sky that night. And I walked outside my tent in the middle of the night and looked up and wow, I just couldn't believe that. I was like, wow, I just couldn't believe this existed. It was so incredible. I think I just always kept that with me, even as I became a teenager and not really interested in science. And it's just something I always love to do. And when I went to university or college, as you call it, like my dad said I had to be a doctor so I could make a lot of money. So I went to be, okay, I think you, okay, I could be a doctor or a lawyer. So I think we might have something in common there. <laughs> and I took all the science classes and somehow I was like, mature beyond my years because I realized, you know what, like you only live once. If you can do what you love doing, you should just do it. Yeah. I don't know how I knew that, but I found that I loved astronomy. I was good at relatively good at physics and math, and I could put all that together and become an astronomer. And that was like a thing I learned in college by a summer intern student. So, so, you know, obviously being a woman in this field, you know, there's, there's not a lot of women in this field and especially the time in which you were coming up. What have been some of the biggest like sort of mental hurdles and challenges that you faced, not just uh, facing, you know, a, a male dominated area, but just as a person, right? Like, you know, you're coming up, you're doing this thing. It's a, you're, you broke through and created this, you know, that's not something easy that someone just says, Hey, I'm just going to go against the, go against the current, you know, go against my, my right. parents and, and he, Oh, it's going to be fabulous. Right. Like it's not, that's a, it's a rare thing. So talk to me a little bit about that. Well, you know, it's, it's easy to sort of look back over 20, 25 years, but it's at the time, like I didn't have a set plan. You know, I didn't know I was going to make an end goal. I didn't have an end goal. Right. It was like to get through graduate school, to see what's out there, what my next job might be. Um, but initially, I just want you to know, before I became a scientist, I honestly was considering being a wilderness guide. Oh, that's cool. Because I love the outdoors and I spent a lot of time when I was younger in parts of Canada, like very remote parts, like just canoeing, canoe, we call it canoe tripping. And so honestly, I consider myself an explorer. Like if we, mm -hmm. you and I, like if we were alive 100, 200, 300 years ago, like maybe we wouldn't have the jobs we have now. I mean, hopefully, I know it wasn't a thing for women, but we'd be like racing to the South Pole or whatever the thing was. And so in science too, believe it or not, it is like exploring. You know, you can have armchairs explorers who don't really push things, or you have the true explorers who really push a field forward. But it's not like being outdoors and hiking up a mountain, really tired and sweaty. 
you know, and we've all been there. Some of us have all been there, but you know, it's like pushing your brain and thinking, wow, like a few steps ahead and trying to use physics and telescopes to sort of wrestle instead of wrestling with the mountain, you know, you're wrestling with, yeah, with um, science. And so like having that kind of attitude and just loving doing new things, it, it gave me the gift. Like it enabled me to push, you know, there's always two sides to the coin and being in a new field. When I started, the field yeah. didn't exist. People don't think it will go anywhere, but it's better in a way because you're not competing with all the established older people who are already there. Yeah. Okay. Was there any kind of fear, like even for yourself, right? Like maybe I'm out of my mind. Like, what am I doing? Like, what am I really doing? Or were you just gung ho curious? Like, oh my God, we have to figure this out. Like I was gung ho curious, but I still acknowledge that the field might not go anywhere. Right. Because at the time I started working on the exoplanet atmospheres, many people didn't believe they were planets. Mm. Like imagine your whole life you had searched for another planet like Jupiter. You know, our Jupiter is five times further from the sun than Earth is from the sun. Right. And imagine instead of finding a Jupiter, you find something like Jupiter, but it's 20 times closer to the sun than Earth is, than an Earth would be. Mm. Like it just doesn't make any sense. And so people really push back on that. So I knew that at the end of the day, I could finish my PhD and exoplanets might've vanished, you know, because if they were just like a false signal. Right, that's crazy. So I wasn't worried though. Like I knew that I would still have a job. If it turns out, if you train to get a job in the physical sciences, you will always be employable. It might not be for what you set out to do, but tons of industry want to hire PhDs in physics and planetary science and the like. So I wasn't worried that, I would somehow lose out, but I was aware that there was a possibility things could go differently. That's cool. That's cool. What do you think gave you kind of, you know, that, that confidence to, to do that? Where do you think that comes from for you? I really think it comes, I think some of it is innate. I do, but other of it comes from experience and reflecting on the past experience. Like I did some really hard things in the outdoors, really hard, and really challenging. And I think it becomes a part of you that if I can do that, I can do anything. That's cool. That's cool. Now I heard somewhere that you were, you were confident that one day you'd find earth's twin. Is that correct? It's correct. It, what? So, okay. So hearing that I was like, well, what's that Kepler thing, right? What did we find something already out there that was kind of like earth or something? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I'm glad you got to that level of subtlety because the news reports we found earth twin and it reports that again and again, actually. Yeah. So, you know, we found a lot of Earth-sized planets. We found some planets the same mass as Earth, but we don't know much about them, actually. It's like sort of knowing there's a lot of people, there's a big crowd, but not being able to identify, you know, your family member in the crowd, because you just know there's people, you don't know anything about their identity. So we're still waiting for next-generation telescopes to learn more about the intriguing planets we found. That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's so interesting because for those, for those who are listening and don't understand about how light travels and how we're standing in this, this planet earth, and we're seeing what, what's beaming out to us from, from years and years and years and years ago, and like, have no idea, like what's kind of left in there. It's, it's kind of interesting. And it, it just, it's intriguing for me. Yeah. I want to talk about that for a second because yeah, we forgot to come back to that, that yes, these stars are far away and light takes time to travel. So our nearest star, for example, it's four light years away. So it takes four years for the light to get here. So 
whatever's happening that we can detect that happened four years ago. Like think of where you were four years ago, <laughs> everyone like, wow, it was a different and that, yeah. And many of the, most of the stars are way much further. Yeah. There are a hundred light years or a thousand light years. And so think of where we were a thousand years ago. Right. So, so, I mean, but that's, the thing is we're not able to see any tiny features on the planet or civilizations. So we don't really have that level of detail that it probably doesn't matter. We do know stars are very stable for very long times. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it takes a lot of things to happen, unless it explodes, you know, horrible war, like things usually take a lot of time. So we're not too worried that what we see is much too much changed. Yeah. I have a question for you. What's the greatest piece of advice you've ever been given? Okay, let me think. I mean, I have some snippets that are helpful. Um, okay. But the best advice I've been given, it's not really a snippet. It's more about really being able to detail in your head, like what your vision for your future is. And to hold that vision mm. in a very positive way. And what that ends up doing is it ends up like opening yourself to opportunities. It doesn't like make things happen mm -hmm. or, you know, change the universe or any crazy magic, but having like a vision of what you want to do and, you know, reflecting on that, that is to me, like the most important thing that I've learned from someone else. Awesome. What's the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? Okay. So the, the worst piece of advice I ever got was <laughs> I have this one project I love. It's so out there and it's just so fun and fertile and, and just, it just feels so exciting. And the worst advice I had from someone was don't work on that. I just don't think that's going anywhere. Mm, okay. How many people have heard that from your parents, your cousins, your sisters? What are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. It's not even going to work, right? Oh my God. I love it. I love it. Okay. Talking about holding a vision. What is the vision that you hold for yourself or hopes that you might find, discover, figure out in the next 10 years in your field of study? Well, a lot of what I do depends on external funding. So it's very expensive. So I have like a few different versions of that. Okay. One dream actually is to lead a big space mission that goes to outer space. And this space mission has a specific name. We call it Starshade. Okay. And Starshade is okay. a giant, it's a giant specially shaped screen. It looks like a giant sunflower. And Starshade would be tens of meters in diameter. I think 30 meters tip to tip. And remember, there's over three feet in a meter. So that's like 100 feet. That's how big the shade is. Mm -hmm. And Starshade would have a spacecraft. And it would go in outer space. And it would work together with a distant space telescope. So imagine this is the telescope and this is Starshade. Okay. And Starshade would line up with the telescope to block out the starlight so perfectly that we would be able to see any really faint Earth-like planets okay. orbiting a sun-like star. And starshade is incredible. It was thought of in the 1960s, actually. That's when the idea was first developed. And people have revisited it every decade since because it's very complicated to sew it and deploy it and to make the precise shape to make it do its job. That after uh, only, you know, in the last 10 years or so, we figured out how to get the job done. And so... We're um, hoping to get that project funded. That's my number one goal. Now, the second goal, because it's always good. It's like investing, right? You, there's a pie chart, like you want to invest in different things because you're not sure which ones will come to fruition. Uh, my second one is about our so-called sister planet, Venus. 
You know how in some families there's always the neglected sibling? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's the one that get, always gets the attention, all the attention, right? We call that one Mars. Right. We always say NASA sends Mars rovers frequently to go to, to Mars. But Venus, the last time we sent a spacecraft, NASA sent a spacecraft to Venus was something like 40 years ago, four zero years ago. Mm-hmm. And there was a heyday that Venus had where the Russians and Americans sent many probes to Venus. And there's a, a series of anomalies in the atmosphere of Venus. Like Venus is a really hot planet, way too hot for life of any kind. But for over half a century, people have been speculating there might be life, actual microbes, like life in Venus, high above the surface in the clouds. Mm-hmm. And I've got working on this tangent on Venus and leading a mission concept study of how we could go back to Venus, go in the atmosphere and purposely search for life and signs of life. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Awesome. Awesome. So now let me ask you, uh, what would you want to leave our listeners with? What's the one thing that you'd want them to leave this conversation knowing, feeling, you know, understanding? Well, I just want you to know that when I started out, I had the imposter syndrome. Mm. I really lacked confidence. And I know that most women, at least of a certain age, have that, actually. I think it's really the barrier to moving forward in success. So I just want everyone to know that you can build confidence. And it's one of the things I'm really working on right now. Okay. Um, how women can do this. Because since I went through this on my own. Right. I went back and looked at how did I, how did other women who overcame this and became successful and confident, how did they do it? And I literally have it um, down to a formula now. It's not something I can summarize in like two minutes. Mm-hmm. I just want people to know that you can do this. Well, let me ask you this though. What, you know, cause I think that's really important. Like either where can they go to learn your formula or, or you can like, what is the formula? Like if you have like the, the, the set points, right? Because I kind of see it as as circular, right? And I'll just give you my take on it. It's kind of right. like when you're doing something that you've never done before and you've never seen others do before, maybe, right? Because, um, you know, when you see others, that just becomes an internal thing. Like if you know that it's possible that someone like you can do it, someone like you has done it, then it just becomes a, a an internal sort of confidence thing about like, well, can I do it, right? Can I do it? Like I know the others, but can I do it? But I kind of see it as circular because, you know, in the, in the one part there's the mental aspect and then in the, the other part there's the reality of seeing that it actually does happen like trying and learning and doing and seeing and you know it's kind of like circular right and you can jump in anywhere on that circle but my point is is you always just have to jump in right you have to kind of get the confidence to jump in and knowing that it could all fall to shit and it's okay you know what I mean like I don't know how else to put that sorry guys um but you know what I'm saying so what is your kind of formula for that I can give it to you in a nutshell and yeah. I'm so I I'm still developing this program that I've been running okay. and I'm developing an app, but it'll be a while before it's all ready. But the heart of it is to reflect on your accomplishments in the past. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to recommend people do this by putting a photo album together on your phone or an actual book you print out. Mm-hmm. And the goal is to like capture your accomplishments from the past yep. and reflect on this like every day for like a year. But the key actually is that, I don't know about you, but when I grew up and I feel like for women worldwide, you know, we're not allowed to somehow be proud of ourselves and to like take a moment and go, wow, I, I nailed that. Right. Because now you're arrogant, so you're whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, how often do you, do you, like I meet a lot of women and they're so accomplished, but they never, they don't allow themselves or they're not allowed to sort of take some time and reflect on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By kind of shifting your mindset and being like, 
nice to yourself and very proud of yourself privately, you know, to yourself more than your heart on yourself and using this book to reflect and think about the great things you've done. That's, that's what really helps move the mindset. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that's the, the best word for it is like, I always say to everybody, like literally being a human on this planet is just a mind game. And if you can master your own mental conversation, you kind of master the game because you'll see how everything in your reality changes. But if you really think deeply, nothing changed except for the way you thought about it, right? And it's so hard to do, but you've captured that perfectly. Yeah, yeah. So listen, it's been amazing having you here. And I'd love to know for the audience who's listening, where can we find out more? Where can we, where can we be in contact with you? Where can we follow you? Where can we find out even more about this, you know, the process that you're building right now for, for, you know, the imposter syndrome? Well, um, depending on when this podcast is airing, keys to confidence.com, like key, K-E-Y-S number two, confidence.com keys to confidence.com mm-hmm. you can also go to fempeak.com and sign up for that because we run i run through that webinars about confidence and you can keep tabs through those two things i love it i love it well thank you so much for being with us sarah i am super i was super psyched to have you on um and i'm sure i'm, I'm excited to see more coming out from you and i, I really want to understand like i hope you i hope you get starshade rendezvous uh uh you know funded and out there and started. I can't wait to see what happens and what kind of discoveries can be made. All right. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. So that is it for this week. Thank you for joining me. And I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If so, don't forget to rate it. If you guys have a pressing question, feel free to tweet me at CS Thrive uh, or on Instagram at Thrive Tribe 3.14159. Again, I know that's a weird one. It's just pie. So it's three, it's thrive underscore tribe underscore 3.14159. Or of course you can join me in Facebook at my free group, which is Thrive Tribe Global. If you just search groups and you enter in Thrive Tribe Global, you should see us there um, and you can join it for free. Uh, I answer your questions in there, but if you guys send me a question through there, I will be sure to answer it here on this podcast. And as always, if you're ever interested in advertising on the show, please contact the Believe Network at Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at Believe.com. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.